Chapter 10. Sacking Out For some time now, Pete and Hatsy had spent most of their mornings at the corral with Sandy and the afternoons fishing. Pete wanted a change from the routine. Mind if I give Polka Dot some exercise this afternoon and ride along the edge of the dunes and do a little exploring? Pete said to Hatsy. I was mostly in kind of a hurry when I was down there chasing the horses. The Chicago end of this creek seems to be kind of fished out, so go ahead, Hatsy replied. But wait until you've got Sandy ready to ride before you go out into the dunes. Without waiting for lunch, Pete rolled up some cold biscuits, cheese, and apples in his slicker, tied the bundle behind the cantle, and set off. Polka Dot had done nothing but eat and rest for several days. He was frisky and fun to ride. As he reached the upper edge of the dunes, Pete let him break into a lope where the ground was smooth enough. Occasionally, he had the horse walk on the dunes, but the squeak and scrunch of the sand under his hooves bothered Polka Dot. He seemed to dislike the sliding, uncertain, noisy stuff, so Pete rode mainly on solid ground. He studied the way the purple and brown shadows in the hollows of the sand rose perceptibly as the sun dropped in the sky. The afternoon was wearing on, and Pete suddenly realized that he'd been too interested in other things to remember about his lunch. Still, he didn't want to dismount and eat. Instead, he knotted the ends of the reins and looped them around the saddle horn. Then, as Polka Dot walked on, Pete turned in the saddle and untied one end of the rolled-up slicker. As he was reaching for the other end, he heard a burst of sound in the brush ahead. Polka Dot stopped. Pete looked up and around. There, ahead, a small fawn was bouncing away stiff-legged. A bit of open ground lay between Pete and the fawn. On a sudden impulse, he touched Polka Dot with his heels and began to chase the little creature at a full gallop. The fawn dodged first one way, then another, in confusion. It occurred to Pete he might even rope it. The chase brought out the cow pony in Polka Dot. This fawn was the same as a calf to him, and he followed it skillfully as it dodged. Pete started to unlimber his rope. In the instant, he looked down at his loop. Polka Dot swerved after the fleeing fawn straight under a big aspen. The next thing Pete knew, he was on the ground with the breath knocked out of him. A limb of the aspen had swept him from the saddle. Ahead, Polka Dot still raced on. Why didn't he stop? Then Pete knew. He had knotted the reins around the saddle horn when he turned to get his lunch out of the slicker. Ordinarily, Polka Dot would have stopped the moment the reins dropped to the ground. But they hadn't dropped, and they weren't likely to. Pete jumped up, running and yelling, Whoa, Polka Dot! Whoa! If Polka Dot heard, he paid no attention. Pete's slicker was hanging down on one side and slapping his legs at every step. The gentle Appaloosa was spooked and no doubt about it. Headed toward the canyon where the camp lay, he ran as fast as he could in the rough country. Furious with himself because of his careless following of a sudden impulse, Pete followed after him on foot. There was just a chance Polka Dot might stop before he reached camp. If he didn't, Hatsy would be worried and would come hunting for Pete. If Polka Dot didn't return... Pete didn't want to think of that possibility. About a mile from camp, Pete heard Hatsy calling in his thin old voice, Pete! Pete! Pete answered, Coming! and gave a long whistle. What in tarnation happened? Hatsy said when they came together. Pete explained a little shamefacedly. You pull another stunt like that and you can spend the rest of the summer riding a burrow at the ranch, Hatsy said. Without another word, he turned Polka Dot back toward camp. Pete followed in silence. Next morning, Pete took Polka Dot into the corral to be with Sandy. After the two horses had sniffed each other and Polka Dot had walked around curiously, they quieted down and stood head to tail like old companions, swatting flies off each other. 
When they were thoroughly used to each other, Pete went in with a rope and caught Polka Dot and led him around and around the corral. He did this several times, then led the horse outside. Then he roped Sandy and tried to lead him. At first, Sandy balked and stood braced, just shaking at the rope around his neck, which he was trying to make him do something he had an impulse to do himself. Pete kept pulling steadily, but not enough to cut off the horse's wind. Then Sandy's patience gave way. He snapped his head back, nearly pulling Pete over onto his face. Snub! Hatsy called in a low voice, and Pete ran his rope around the tree trunk just in time to give Sandy a nasty jerk. He hadn't wanted to hurt Sandy at all while training him, but maybe this had to be done to teach him respect for a rope and what it could do. Sandy reared again and got a mean pull on his neck. Before he was thoroughly frightened, Pete loosened the line, then pulled gently, then harder. The harder he pulled, the more the rope hurt. When he slacked up, the rope cut less. When Sandy took a couple of steps toward Pete, the pressure of the rope around his neck eased off. Good horse. Good, Sandy. Come along. Come along, Pete said approvingly as the horse took his first steps. He took more and found the line always slack when he walked. Half an apple followed as a reward. Can I put on the hackamore now and try to lead him with that? Pete asked Hatsy. Why not? Who's stopping you? Hatsy chirped back at him. Sandy was as cautious about accepting the hackamore as he had been about being led by the lariat. But soon he was prancing around spiritedly, not trying to pull the lead rope from Pete's hand. Better let me in there with him a little now, Hatsy announced after Sandy had got thoroughly used to the hackamore. The horse has to get used to the both of us. Best of both of us will finish him off. At first, Sandy was a little skittish about working with Hatsy but he soon found the same gentleness and the same rewarding sounds of friendship and approval. It was now time for sacking out. Pete took a gunny sack from the wagon. Watch out for his feet. This is when Sandy will show the buck in him, if he's going to be a bucko, Hatsy said. Pete let Sandy get thoroughly used to the sight of the sack before he made a move. Sandy smelled it as it hung on the gate. He saw Pete carry it around in one hand. He got a lot of good looks at it as he stood with his hackamore tied to the snubbing post. Then Pete took the sack and he touched Sandy with it gently on the back. Sandy shied and swung away from it. Pete touched him again, and again, and gradually he touched him all over his back. He did this for a few minutes at a time off and on during the morning. Then he left the sack on Sandy's back. A wriggle of Sandy's skin sent it sliding to the ground. Don't worry. Don't get restless, Sandy. Now we'll try it again, Pete said. Patiently, Pete replaced the sack as Sandy shook it off. Then he varied this training by getting Sandy used to hobbles. He and Hatsy worked together with the horse tied to the snubbing post, quietly put soft leather hobbles on his forefeet for a few minutes. At each new restraint, Sandy was restless, but he seemed to sense that none of his new experiences were bringing trouble. He even accepted currying, which Pete did very gently, at first using a brush only instead of a stiff curry comb. At the end of the third week, Sandy was used to more new things. Pete had roped him while riding Raindrop around the corral. Hatsy had roped him from Polka Dot. They had both sacked him, and they had even got him used to a cinch holding the sack in place. Do you think he'll buck when we put the saddle on? Pete asked. Lots of horses never buck, Hatsy said, particularly horses that haven't been raised on a diet of spurs and quirts and bits that look like a combination hardware store and jewelry shop. Some horses show their spirit by fighting their riders. Others show it by learning. They've got plenty of spirit. They just use it in the right way. Before Pete actually tried to saddle Sandy, he led him out of the corral a few times and let him have his fill of good grass. 
Both Appaloosas were always along, and he was hobbled or tethered as he grazed. But he seemed to take his new freedom as part of all the new experiences he was enjoying. Finally, the time for saddling came. Pete let Sandy smell the strange new thing and showed him the saddle as it hung from the corral gate. Then he saddled Raindrop right close beside Sandy in the corral. At last, holding Sandy's hackamore and talking soothingly to him as he stood hobbled by the gate, Pete worked from the top bar on the gate and eased the saddle over onto Sandy's back. He had tied the stirrups over the saddle so there would be nothing dangling between the horse's legs to frighten him. Sandy shied away as much as he could in his hobbles and shook his head, but he calmed down quickly, and Pete gave him a reassuring pat. He let Sandy stand for a minute and then took the saddle off. Several more of these saddlings and unsaddlings followed. Then, finally, the saddle was cinched. Again, Sandy repeated his pattern of calming down after the first unfamiliarity of a new experience had worn off. Soon Pete removed the hobbles and let Sandy free in the corral as he got used to the saddle. Before long, Sandy accepted the saddle as if he'd been born with one on his back. Then Pete tied a sack with about 50 pounds of sand in it onto the saddle. Sandy accepted the sack with no fuss at all. The final test came the next day. Patsy hovered close, bending its dry, small body to check the hobbles, feeling the cinch to see that Sandy hadn't swelled up when it was first tightened, as many a horse will do. Then he mounted Raindrop, dallied the lead rope around the saddle horn, and pulled up the slack as he backed Raindrop away, facing Sandy. The big moment was here. Now came the test of whether Sandy had really accepted Pete. As he heaved up from the ground, his weight pulled to the left on the saddle. Sandy wriggled away from this surprisingly unbalanced load, and he moved so fast that Pete was thrown sideways onto the ground where he landed in the kind of roll he'd practiced hundreds of times on the football field. He was shaken up and surprised and very much humiliated. Hatsy, for his part, was one big grin. Next time, you'd better get ready to go where your horse goes, he cackled good-naturedly. Pete turned his back. He didn't want the old man to see his red face. He stood for a long time, stroking the excited horse, patting his neck and his head, and talking to him in a voice so low he hoped Hatsy could not hear him. Sandy, I made another mistake. I tried two things at once on you. You never had a man on your back, and you never had a man climb into the saddle. We'll start over again. Pete led Sandy to the gate. Hatsy sat on Raindrop, watching the performance. Then Pete climbed to the top bar, slid down into the saddle, and sat there quietly. Sandy shook a little and looked around to see what this new-feeling thing was on his back. Hatsy started Raindrop walking slowly around the corral. Soon Sandy was following as if carrying a rider was the most natural thing in the world. Pete was jubilant. He had done it. He was on his horse, and his horse had been willing to let him stay there.